Welcome to Thoughts on Thriving, a holistic lifestyle and wellness podcast that's here to help you become the healthiest, happiest, most aligned version of yourself. I'm your host, Ava, a registered dietitian and wellness junkie. I'm so excited to have you here as I dive deep into meaningful conversations covering topics from nutrition and mental health to spirituality and self-development and everything in between with experts in many fields. I'm so happy you're choosing to learn how to thrive today. Let's get into the show. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughts on Thriving. I'm so excited to have you back for another episode. And I really hope you guys have been enjoying the guest episodes lately. I feel like we've had such great guests on recently, and I have so many more amazing ones planned for the rest of this year. But today I wanted to do more of a solo episode, or it is a solo episode, and I wanted to talk about a topic that I've been thinking about a lot recently. I think that recently health and wellness and nutrition have all become really trendy, which is awesome. I think that like a lot of the things that I've done for years are now becoming trendy and cool. And I think that that's really great that things are mainstream now. But I also think that with this influx of health and wellness content and habits and all the things that people are talking about and doing and making mainstream, I think that there's just a lot of noise out there. And I I talk about this a lot and... While it's great that everyone is so focused on their health and wellness, I think that sometimes there is a lot of content out there that makes people think that they have to do so many things to be healthy and to have to spend so much money to be healthy. And I was under that impression for a long time as well, but I think that the more that I learn and the more that I think about it and the more that I practice, the more I realize that it's really, really simple and we overcomplicate it so much. We overcomplicate health and wellness and nutrition so much. And because there is so much information, you'd think that we'd all have the answers because now everyone's talking about it. Now there's so much information out there. There's more research, but I feel like it's only gotten more and more difficult to navigate. And so I've been having a lot of these conversations offline as well as online with people and The other day, kind of what sparked the inspiration for this episode is I posted on my wellness Instagram, which if you aren't following, you should definitely follow. I started posting on a separate account at Ava Nuri Wellness on both Instagram and TikTok. But this specific instance was on Instagram and I posted that I was doing an infrared sauna the other day and someone replied to the story, a good friend of mine, and she kind of shared her thoughts on that and said that, you know, one of my biggest challenges with all these things, the spa treatments, lymphatic drainage, saunas, all of that stuff is that it feels really inaccessible for normal people. And she was literally just starting a conversation and I welcome that so much. And I think that it was really awesome that she shared that with me. And, you know, she shared that like, I would love to do a sauna, but like where I live, there isn't really an infrared sauna place available. And, you know, sometimes these things can be expensive. And I completely agree. And I was so, so happy that she shared that with me. Because I think that a lot of the wellness influencers out there and the people who have platforms online are kind of only posting about this kind of stuff that can feel really inaccessible and extra. And I totally understood where my friend was coming from with sharing that information. So that is the inspiration for today's episode because I feel like I do talk about a lot of things that really don't cost much um, in terms of wellness. But I wanted to kind of dedicate this whole episode to sharing 20 free wellness things that you can do that are 
at no cost to you or at very, very little cost to you that are accessible to most people and that you can do today to feel better. And before I get into the 20 habits, the 20 tips that I have, I also want to share that with my content and with what I post, I will always kind of share everything that I do. And that includes a wide range of things from, you know, the free things that I'm going to talk about today. And that's something I always stress. And I try to make my content very educational. And a lot of what I post is a lot about the mindset we have around health and little things we can do, simple habits, simple tips, but also simple mindset shifts that we can have to help us have better health. And a lot of what I talk about is a holistic approach to wellness and health because that's what I practice in my life and that's the approach I take. And so a lot of my stuff is more about the other parts of health that aren't physical health, but I do also share a lot about physical health. And yes, I will share everything that I do. So, you know, I personally love doing all those extra wellness things. That's what I like to spend my money on. Like, I don't go out really, I don't drink, I don't spend money on alcohol, and I don't really eat out that much. So, my money goes towards these like fun little wellness things like the infrared sauna and things like that. And I do live in a city, New York City, that is kind of the hub for so many of those things. These things are so accessible, but I also understand it's not to so many people. So I will share those things as I do them and not always, but I definitely don't want to make it seem like I don't do those things just in the in the spirit of transparency. But I also think that we overcomplicate wellness so much, like I was saying. And I think that these things are all extra. That's what they are. They're not necessary to have better health. They are by no means something that you need to spend your money on. But if you have the extra cash, if you have the desire to save up for these sorts of things instead of maybe other things that you would be spending money on, then, you know, go for it. So that was my little spiel for today. But I do want to get into the meat of this episode so that it's not too long. So let's just get into the 20 things that I came up with that you can do for free or for a very, very low cost, basically free to feel well and to boost your wellness in a holistic way. So these aren't just going to be for your physical health, but mind, body, spirit, all the things. So the first thing I have on this list is getting morning light. So within an hour or so of waking up, it is recommended that we get outside, get some sunlight in our eyes, and just kind of get some light, even if it's cloudy, because this is going to help regulate your circadian rhythm and help you have great sleep at night. I think Andrew Huberman, who, if you don't know, is a huge name in wellness these days, he has a great podcast talking about health and wellness, and he gets into the deep science of all of it. I think he has a whole episode on this, but he talks about this a lot. It's so, so important to alert your body that it's the morning, it's time to go, so that when it comes to the time to go to sleep, your melatonin is being produced in the correct way so that you can have good sleep and fall asleep easily at night. Also, I find that when I get morning sunlight, I feel more energized throughout the day. And the sun literally is energy. Like, that's what the plants need to create energy through photosynthesis. So there are lots of benefits to getting sunlight or just light in the morning within an hour of waking up. You can go for like a 10-minute walk. You can, if you have a backyard, just sit outside, gaze out into, like, don't literally gaze into the sun. But you can just kind of look at the sky and make sure you get that light in your eyes. 
Now, tip number two is kind of similar, but it's to ground in nature. And this doesn't have to be in the morning, but grounding literally means just putting your feet in the ground. So whatever it is, grass, sand, rocks, like whatever kind of earth you have around you, just take a few moments to put your feet in that earth and just kind of stand there, feel the ground below you. And there's a lot of studies out there that show that this will reduce inflammation in your body. It can reduce pain and stress. It can improve blood flow throughout your body. It helps with energy, with sleep, and just general wellness. And also, if you're traveling, this is another tip, I guess, is to when you get to your new location, grounding in nature. So doing this, walking barefoot on whatever the earth is around you in that new location, that's actually been shown to reset your inner clockwork as well. So that can help with jet lag and kind of help you adjust to the local time. Okay, the next one is super simple, but I can't talk about it enough because I feel like even though everyone knows this, people are still dehydrated and we're still not getting enough water in our bodies. So the third one is to hydrate with water. And in order to boost the hydration that you can get from your water, if you can, try to add some minerals. I know that might not be free, like mineral supplements, but what you can do, which is essentially free, honestly, because of how cheap salt is is just add a pinch of sea salt to your water and that salt is just literally electrolytes that will help hydrate you even further it sounds kind of counterintuitive but that actually helps hydrate your body without having to spend money on like expensive mineral supplements Okay, number four is to go on a walk. And walking is literally one of the best things you can do for your body, not only for your physical body, but for your mind. I feel like if I don't go on a walk one day, I feel so much worse. And honestly, I can't really remember a day that I didn't go on a walk, even if it was a short one. But this is something that I live by. And my walks aren't even for my physical health. Like I'll still do workouts most days, like a Pilates workout, a yoga workout, something like that. But my walks are more for my mental health. They literally help me to clear any stagnant energy from my body. They help clear my mind, decrease any anxiety I might be feeling. And they also just help me reconnect back to the universe around me because I feel like we're so in our heads and in our little virtual worlds a lot of the times with work, with school, whatever you're doing with your life. I feel like a lot of it is online these days and a lot of it is spent sitting inside as well. And so taking the intentional time to go outside and go on a walk really helps you remember that there's so much more to the world outside of you. And it also just kind of helps with getting out into nature intentionally as well. So we are big proponents of walking over here. And if you listen to this podcast, like you're listening to it right now, go for a walk and listen to a podcast. Like you can multitask your walks. You can listen to an audiobook while you walk. You can listen to a podcast or you could just go for a silent walk. There's so many benefits to that too. Like being alone with your thoughts is kind of underrated and I feel like it can help you deepen that connection to yourself. I do understand the the kind of overwhelm that may come with walking in silence. I think that a lot of people will get antsy or anxious. That definitely has happened to me. So you don't have to go on a silent walk, but that's another thing that you can do to kind of connect back to yourself. And that intuitive voice within you that I talk about a lot, your intuition, your highest self, whatever you want to call it, that part of you needs to be nurtured. And it is usually nurtured when you give it space and give it silence so that it can come through. So silent walks are also a great little wellness hack that you can do that are completely free. 
Okay, I'm going to try to go faster because we still have like 16 more, but the next one's very simple. I'm not going to talk that much about it because everyone knows it is to sleep enough. Sleep eight hours a night. Sleep however many hours you need to function at your best. I think sleep is the most important thing for your health. If you don't have good sleep, everything else will be messed up. Your hormones, your gut health, your mood, your mental health, like everything kind of depends on you getting enough sleep. And this is something that I am constantly working on as well. It's something that I struggle with. And it's not even the fact that I struggle with falling asleep. It's more that like I struggle with getting to bed on time and like making sure that I have boundaries around when I stop going on my phone and all those things so that I can get to bed at a reasonable hour and get a good night's sleep. So I'm saying this one for me as much as I am for you, but this is definitely the free wellness tip that will move the needle the most, I think. And it's so important. And actually, I recorded an episode, one of the first episodes of Thoughts on Thriving. I recorded with a holistic sleep doctor. Her name was Dr. Sarah, and that was episode four, released in March of 2022, so a year ago. And if you struggle with sleep, I definitely recommend listening to that episode. It was so, so informative. So just a little shout out to Dr. Sarah as well. Okay, number five, breath work and deep breathing. I feel like this is great for so many things, but I've been seeing a lot more people doing breath work to kind of release anxiety, trauma, things like that for their mental health. But I also think that deep breathing is really important for digestion and gut health. And that's something that we talked about last week or two weeks ago with Dr. Heather Finley, the registered dietitian I had on the podcast a couple weeks ago. She's a gut health specialist. And we talked about some of the things we can do for our gut health that don't really have anything to do with our diet in that episode. And deep breathing is one of them. I mean, it really is important for activating your parasympathetic nervous system, which is that rest and digest part of our nervous system and if you're new to breath work I really like doing the free Wim Hof one that's online it's on YouTube and that one's kind of an easy it's called like 10 minute beginner breath work and it's really easy to just start doing and it's definitely kind of a weird feeling at first when you're breathing in the way that he teaches but it feels so good after and you just feel amazing and it's just a great way to start the day. And speaking of Wim Hof, the next thing I have is taking a cold shower. So when I posted the infrared sauna thing, I actually posted about Andrew Huberman's, like one of his tweets or something about cold exposure. And he talks a lot about hot and cold therapy and doing sauna and ice plunges or cold plunges. And a really easy way to kind of get the same benefits of what he's talking about is to just take a cold shower. And you can do this every morning, every other day, once a week. I like to do it when I'm kind of like hot and sweaty because I really don't like being cold. So if I do a workout where I sweat a lot or do the sauna, like I was saying, or just kind of am really hot, it's really hot outside, I will take a freezing cold shower. And this has been shown to have so many health benefits taking cold showers. Like It's great for your immune system, for reducing inflammation, for pain, and helps with your metabolism, circulation. And for me, the biggest thing I felt after and that I feel after doing this is increased energy. Like I literally feel like I had a triple shot espresso once I get out of the shower and during it, it's kind of miserable. Like it's not going to be a fun experience always, but it's also just a mental game and it is a way to kind of show yourself that you can do hard things as well, which is important, I think, and is a great way to set the tone for the day because you've already accomplished something hard that day. So you can just kind of move off that momentum and continue doing hard things, accomplishing things and getting everything you need to get done, done. So especially on days you want to be productive, I feel like starting with a cold shower is really great. And 
I also want to say that I normally don't do them and I don't think that I would recommend doing a cold shower around, you know, my period, my menstrual phase or my luteal phase if you're familiar with the phases of the menstrual cycle. So like the week before your period, on your period, if you're a woman, like I think those are the times to be more cozy and warm and eat warming foods because that's what your body needs in those moments. So I would recommend doing a cold shower probably more during my ovulatory phase or follicular phase. So right after your period during ovulation, like those times of the month are probably the best to do them if you're a woman. Okay, number eight is one of my favorites. This is something that is a non-negotiable for me. I do it every single day. It's completely free and I will never stop talking about the importance of this and that is meditation. And I have been a huge proponent of meditation for better health because I have seen how much of a difference it's made in my health. And honestly, what it really is for me is a morning meeting with myself and with God or the universe or whatever you want to call it, that higher power, my highest self. Like it's literally a time that I sit down and have that meeting with myself before I have to have meetings with other people throughout the day. And the simple act of just carving that time out for yourself in the morning, whether you want to do meditation or breath work or any of these habits, is such an important way to show yourself love and to show yourself that you're worth it and that you are a priority in your life. And so I think that that is really important for so many aspects of your health, but even just your physical health, like meditation, just physically speaking, helps you also get into that parasympathetic state and helps you calm down so that you can move through your day with a regulated nervous system, which is so important. And it also is really great for your brain health. Like there's so many studies out there that show that people who meditate live longer and they have less mental health problems and there's so many things. So I am a huge fan of meditation and I do 20 minutes every morning, but you can do whatever works for you. I think even five minutes would set the tone for the day and be great. And it also doesn't have to be in the beginning of the day. Like whenever you can fit it in, I think that it will benefit you. And yes, there's all these apps and they require money, but you can also find really great free guided meditations on the internet, on YouTube, on Spotify, even Insight Timer, the app that I use to kind of uh, record the time that I'm meditating and keep track of that is filled with free meditations as well. So you can definitely find something that aligns with you. And personally, I started with guided meditation, but now I don't even use kind of like a voice. I just do my own thing and I do something called spiritual exercises, and if you want to find out more about this type of meditation, it's in the book called Spiritual Warrior by John Roger. That's kind of what I do. It's very similar to TM, Transcendental Meditation, where you're kind of saying a mantra in your head, um, and it's it's really been amazing for me, but that book really has changed my life, and it is just such a great book. So if you're thinking about getting into spirituality or just self-development, self-help, and just becoming a better version of yourself. That book is filled with so many amazing tools and tips and tricks and just great insight and information. And I love the author. He was just such a great spiritual teacher and he's no longer alive, but John Rogers' work is amazing. I've read so many of his books and he's great. So that's another little tip for you. So number nine, the next thing I have written down is to call up a friend who makes you feel uplifted and supported. And I've been posting kind of a lot lately about the benefits of having 
great friends in your life and great family and great relationships in general for your health. And this has been shown to boost your longevity and help you live a healthier, longer life, having good relationships. And I think it's so important for us to be talking about this because I think in the West, in the Western countries, we have a very big kind of culture of isolation. And I've been hearing a lot more people talk about this just online in general. And I've thought this for years and people have been kind of talking about it and very eloquently reciting what I've been thinking for so long. And that is we live in this society where we're alone so much and we kind of value that a lot. We value being in our own nuclear families and not really being in community and so many people can put this a little better than I'm putting it right now, but basically we've lost that kind of community feeling in these Western countries, especially in the U.S. And when you go to other countries, other cultures, like take for example Iran. I'm from Iran. I'm Persian. And in my culture, it's so family oriented. It's so community oriented and people are together in community all the time, friends, family members, family friends like it's it's you're always together you're with people you're laughing with people you're having parties you're having dinners together long dinners they do that in Europe too like they sit for lunch and sit for hours with their friends and coworkers and family members and we don't really do those things here we spend a lot of our days at work alone or behind a computer and it's just not good for our health and being social and having good deep meaningful connections is so so important to live a long and healthy life like I said so I think it's so important to just in the ways that you can in this society we live in in our culture to try to make time for your friends for your relationships and to try to also fill yourself or rather surround yourself with people who uplift you and make you feel good and make you feel supported because life is too short to be surrounded by people you don't want to be around. So even if that just means calling a friend more often, I think that that's a really great way to do something for your social wellness and that is also free. And similar to calling up a friend or spending time with a friend, something else that I have written down for number 10 is to hug a loved one. And I saw somewhere that we need, I can't remember the number, like 30 hugs a day or like 12 hugs a day. It's it's a, it's a de- definitely more than 10 hugs a day to feel good or to just kind of maintain our happiness. I can't remember what the stat was. I probably should have found it before this, but whatever the number is, we all know how good it can feel to just have someone hug us, to hug someone, to be embraced by someone we love. And from a scientific perspective, when you hug someone, it releases oxytocin, which is that hormone that is linked to those warm, fuzzy feelings. And in some research, it's been shown to lower stress and anxiety and regulate our emotions, regulate our nervous system and improve our empathy and trust with people. So there's so many health benefits and just benefits in general to hugs. And once again, and this is just my opinion, I feel like in the U.S., it's not as much in our culture as it is maybe in other cultures to hug people a lot and just like be as touchy-feely with our friends and loved ones and so I think personally that we should change that and try to hug our loved ones as often as we possibly can. Okay, number 11 is to set an intention for your food. And this is something I made a TikTok, um, an Instagram reel about recently and have been talking about a lot. And I think I mentioned it on the podcast a few episodes ago that I do this. But this is something really easy you can do that's completely free that will change 
the relationship you have with the food that you're eating. And it can even help improve your digestion and help you feel better about the food that you're eating. And in the TikTok I recorded, I was talking about how you could be eating broccoli in two very different ways. In one instance, you could be eating broccoli because you hate your body, you want to lose weight and get skinny, you're not doing it from a place of self-love, it's more from a place of self-loathing, and you're eating the broccoli with that intention. And so that broccoli probably won't be digested as well. It probably is not going to be as loving to your body when you eat it. Whereas if you eat it with love and from a place of wanting to nourish your body and make your body feel good because you want to give your body the fuel that it needs to live a vibrant life and to be there for your family in the future and live a long healthy life that's a very different intention so those were just two random scenarios I made up but the point of this is that the intention with which you eat a food is just as important as what food you're eating and the same thing goes for something like chocolate cake like you could be eating chocolate cake to kind of self-sabotage from that place of self-loathing like I was talking about or you could be eating chocolate cake with your friends and family in order to enjoy the dessert that's on the table with your loved ones and doing it from a place of love and same having that nourish your soul for example. So with that being said, I personally like to set an intention before I eat a meal and I'll sit down, I'll ask the meal to do what I want it to do for me. I'll ask it to be digested with love, to help me feel good, to nourish my body. Like you can literally talk to your food and this might sound kind of crazy, but it's an energy. It really is. And the way you feel after you eat something intentionally with love is so much better than just kind of mindlessly eating it, scarfing it down, not really thinking about what you're eating. And it really helps you take a second to stop and also just kind of be grateful for the food in front of you. And that kind of is a great segue to my next tip, which is to start a gratitude practice. And gratitude is something that I've personally implemented in my life every day. I think that it's really just one of the keys to wellness is to be grateful for where you are now and for what you have now. There's been so many studies and findings that people who have gratitude and who live from that place live longer, happier lives. And you can also feel it when you go a day without thinking about how grateful you are and you kind of float through your day and kind of live without intention. Kind of the same thing with the food and with setting intentions for your food. You're not going to feel as good at the end of the day. You won't feel as fulfilled or purposeful. And I think that gratitude can really help bring you back to that and bring you back to the present moment as well to really help you look at your life and think about how grateful you are for where you are now instead of always trying to look to the future. If I'm ever having a bad day, I will try to write down or just think in my head or speak out loud, like whatever it is, things that I'm grateful for that day. Because even in the worst moments, there is so much to be thankful for. And number 13, the next tip I have is to give yourself a high five. And I learned this tip from Mel Robbins. She's a best-selling author, a motivational speaker, and she literally wrote a whole book on this tip. So it's pretty effective. And basically giving yourself a high five is another one of those wellness tools that is really, really powerful for the mind and for your mental wellness. And I think that it's really great for boosting confidence and self-esteem, which can increase your self-love as well. But really, it's just a little simple act of kindness that you can do to yourself in the morning that will help you kind of set the tone for the day once again, like so many of these things do, which will then help you feel better throughout the day, which isn't that what we want. Like the whole point of wellness and doing all these wellnessy things are to feel good, to feel better, to feel well. And so 
this kind of is why I talk so much about the things that don't have to do with our physical health as well, because wellness really is just the conglomeration of everything in our lives, the mental, the physical, the spiritual, all the things that help us to feel well. But going back to the physical aspect of wellness, the next two things are not so much things that we can do, but more things that we can take away. And that is minimizing added sugar, number 14, and 15, avoiding or minimizing alcohol intake. So normally I like to think about what we can add into our diet instead of what we can take out. But when it comes to added sugars and alcohol, these things are super inflammatory to our bodies and they can cause a lot of stress on our bodies when eaten or drink daily. And so I think that it's very important to kind of call out that, yeah, we can have the great mindset. We can definitely do all the other wellnessy things, but our diet still is important. Like what we put in our body still is important. And I think we've swung to the other side of the pendulum and now it's so anti-diet culture. And I totally agree with so much of that and the sentiment of not being so restrictive. And, you know, obviously we don't want to cause an eating disorder and promote disordered eating and things like that. But at the same time, like, let's not kid ourselves. It's not like alcohol is good for you. We know it's a carcinogen. We know it causes a variety of health issues, not only cancer, but liver disease. And it can cause Alzheimer's, dementia. Like, it's not a great thing to be putting in our bodies. And it is so widely accepted in our culture. And I don't think that we need to make alcohol the enemy necessarily, but we definitely should be, in my opinion, mindful of the way that we drink and when we consume and to make sure that we're doing it in a way that isn't going to be super detrimental to our health, which is why I'm loving the sober curious movement happening because I think that it's so important to question our relationship with alcohol and question why. And going back to the intention around the food, I think we should be setting intentions for our alcohol use as well because if you're going to drink... I think you would get much more out of it if you were doing it in a really positive setting and doing it with your loved ones to connect with people versus as a way to cope or to escape life or something more like that. And this is a topic that I don't shy away from on the podcast. I've actually had two guests on to talk about this. And the first one was Lily Geiger, the founder of Filia, which is a non-alcoholic aperitivo brand. And that was episode 15 of the podcast. And then I also had the founder of Absence of Proof, which is a non-alcoholic bar pop-up in New York City. Her name is Elizabeth, and that was episode 20. It was such a great episode as well. So if you're curious in this non-alcoholic space and in these conversations, I would definitely recommend listening to those. But personally, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, I haven't drank alcohol since October of 2021. So it's been over a year and a half of no alcohol. And I have never felt better. I really, really recommend trying maybe even just a month or two months of not drinking and seeing how you feel. I don't like to think of it as like a restrictive thing because if I ever do feel called to drink, I I will. I'm not attached to not drinking, but I have not felt the desire in so long. And I think that my physical health has thanked me for it, but also my mental health and the link between alcohol intake and anxiety is so real. So If you run anxious, highly recommend minimizing alcohol intake. And going back to the added sugars thing, once again, not trying to make added sugars the enemy. It's not going to kill you if you have added sugars and they are not something to fear. However, just in terms of feeling your best and wanting to feel like you're living a healthy life, I 
think that a healthy lifestyle does not include a ton of added sugars. And that's just my opinion. There's a lot of research to back this up. At the end of the day, I like to go back to how I feel and I like to use my body as an experiment. So if I have a lot of added sugar one day, let's say I ate a really decadent dessert or ate more processed foods that had sugars in them, like I can notice a difference in how I feel in my body and I like to feel good and I think that most people do like to feel good and so I think with the added sugars it's just about finding a balance and once again eating them with intention when you do want to eat them and I think that a healthy balanced lifestyle does not have to be devoid completely of added sugar so I'm once again not trying to make them the enemy here just more so trying to share my experience and also share the research because there are so many so many studies on the effects of added sugar and We also want to be keeping our blood sugars in mind and added sugars are a surefire way to spike our blood sugar. And if you're going to have dessert, I would highly recommend having it like after you eat a protein rich meal to prevent a blood sugar spike from happening from that dessert. And once again, when it comes to anxiety, there's a big link actually between blood sugar crashes and feeling anxious. So once again, just like alcohol, if you feel anxiety quite often, there are some triggers that aren't to do with mental things but more to do with our physical health and there's a book I'm reading actually and I talked about this again on my Instagram and I'm interviewing actually the author of this book in a couple weeks for the podcast so I'll let you know when that comes out but Dr. Ellen Vora is the author of The Anatomy of Anxiety and in this book she talks a lot about how a lot of the anxiety we feel the false anxiety we feel she calls it is actually just our bodies experiencing a physiological imbalance which then leads our minds to try to create a story of why we feel that way so it's as simple as experiencing a blood sugar crash or not getting enough sleep so a lot of the things that I'm talking about like sleeping well and not eating too many added sugars are also things for your mental health as well as your physical health because I notice also that when I have a blood sugar spike or when I don't sleep I do feel more anxious so there's definitely something to be said about all of this in terms of mental health as well. All right, I'm going to run through these last few tips really quickly. The next one I have written down is to reduce your screen time. This one's very self-explanatory. I don't know anyone who feels great after scrolling on their phone, but also in terms of physical health, it's really not great for your eyes as well. So I would recommend setting screen time limits. That's what I do. And I also try to not go on my phone for the first hour and a half of my day. And I have been trying to stick to that and I really, really notice a difference on the days that I don't stick to that. I also think it's really important to get off the phone before bed because that can really impact your sleep and the blue light can impact your circadian rhythm. So for your physical, but also your mental health, I think it's really important to set boundaries with the phone. And another tip that I heard online, I saw a TikTok about this was ironic because I was scrolling my phone, but this tip actually is really helpful. It's to turn your phone to grayscale when you don't want to go on it. And I don't really remember how to do it, but you can search it on Google and you can basically create a setting on your phone where your phone becomes black and white. And the phone is much less enticing when there's no color to it. Like you'll probably notice that it's not as desirable to go on your phone. So that's another tip that I heard. Okay, the next one is to scrape your tongue. I actually posted about this on Instagram the other day, and I 
found out through the responses I got that a lot of people aren't doing this. So really quickly, tongue scraping is an Ayurvedic technique or tool that's used to kind of remove the bacteria on your tongue and improve your oral health. And it's been done for ages in the world of Ayurvedic medicine. And I think that it's so important for better oral health, but also better gut health, because there's been research to show that the oral microbiome is linked to the gut microbiome. And tongue scraping is a really great way to ensure that the bad bacteria that is on your tongue doesn't get swallowed and then enter your body essentially and it helps with better breath it helps with your sense of taste as well so overall highly recommend I've been doing it every day since like at least five years ago and it's been something that is a non-negotiable for me in my routine now so that's something that you can do for very cheap that one I know isn't like necessarily free but very very cheap to do And the next one is to sweat at home or outside because I know a gym membership costs money and I know some of those online subscription services do cost money, but there's also really great free ways to exercise and get a great workout in that don't require any cost. So I like the Pilates workouts online on YouTube by Move with Nicole. Those are free and that's something that I like to do is low impact exercise like yoga and Pilates at home. But if you want to do something more intense, I'm sure there are more intense like HIIT training workouts and other workouts workouts online. YouTube is just such a great resource when it comes to health and wellness because there's so many people providing free content with this stuff. You can also, if you live in a place where this is accessible to you, go on a run and like I said in the other tip, go on a walk or go bike riding if you have a bike because if you already have one, it's free at that point. But I don't need to tell you about the benefits of exercise. I think we all know that it's good for us. So that is the next thing I had. And then number 19 is kind of similar. And that one is to have a dance party with yourself. And this one, if you are in need of an instant mood boost, literally just play a song that's upbeat for three minutes or however long the song is dance like no one's watching and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast I feel like in previous episodes but it's such a great way to kind of get out of your head kind of have a reset in the middle of your day if you're kind of feeling antsy or jittery or whatever it is or just feeling kind of like bogged down by the work day it's such a great way to kind of break up your day instantly boosts your mood especially if you're using a song that you love and it's also great for your physical health gets that heart rate up your body moving and is something that does not cost any money to do okay last but not least number 20 is to laugh and laughter is the best medicine that is like such a cheesy old saying but it really is I think that we take life so seriously and laughter is one of the best ways to take ourselves out of that mindset and to remind ourselves that it's not so serious, it's not so stressful and we're here to love and to laugh and to have fun with one another and to enjoy life and I feel like laughter is the best way to kind of realign with that energy. So I try to laugh as often as possible. I literally laugh to myself like I will chuckle at things to myself. I'll make things a game with myself. I will literally laugh at anything and everything and if you know me in real life you'll know that I find basically everything funny and I like used to get made fun of a lot not like in a serious way but everyone would just make fun of me for thinking everything is funny but I think that there's something to that and there's something really really powerful to that in finding the funniness and the laughter in any situation and to just kind of 
take a step back and try to bring a sense of humor into life. I think that's one of the keys to living a happy, healthy life. And with that being said, that was my entire list of free things that you can do for your wellness today to help you feel good. And so I hope this was really helpful for you. I hope you got something out of this episode. And let me know if you want more solo episodes, more episodes where I'm kind of just talking like this to you guys. I have a lot of fun recording these. So just let me know if you want more. And I'm excited to come back with a great guest episode for the next episode. So stay tuned for that. Make sure to subscribe and rate the podcast with five stars if you haven't already. And follow us on Instagram at thoughts.on.thriving. And follow my wellness page as well for more wellness tips like this. I post most of my wellness-based content there now. It's at Avanori Wellness on Instagram and TikTok, like I said earlier. So thank you, thank you for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you so much for tuning in and supporting the podcast. And I will talk to you guys in a couple weeks.